I'm Jeremy Greer. I'm Chris Mosier. And this is Still His Kingdom Keeps, the creepy but necessary podcast where Chris and I cover every single episode of the TV show Merlin. And it's season five, the last season. Season five. I only have 13 episodes, Chris. The last season. Don't say it like that. I'm sorry. It's, it's it just the, makes me sad. It's the, 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 the last season that they made. How about that? <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Hey, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know. It could, they, you know, maybe they were unhappy with the ending and people want, to, want them to bring it back. And they're going to do it in 20 years like they did with yeah. Twin Peaks. Perfect. Um, that would actually be really, really dope if they just took the Twin Peaks season three track to Merlin. <laughs> like, I would be so excited <laughs> about that. Like, that would be, especially if they leaned, it's like they just got David Lynch to do it for some reason. Like, yeah. even better. David Lynch like, does season six of Merlin for some fucking reason. <laughs> Chris, we have to will this into uh, the world. Or at least a guest episode. I have got to make a new, like, cut up a trailer to sit to the to Laura Palmer's theme or something. Oh, man. I could I could have some fun doing some some weird... I always wanted to do that with Supernatural, do, like, an H24-style trailer for Supernatural, mm-hmm. and I bet you could pull that off with, with Merlin as well. It's just... I don't know if you know this, Chris, but doing video editing is a lot of work. It's Yeah, it seems it seems like it's a lot of work. Um, anyway, uh, what's up? How are you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, shout-outs to our patrons who continue, continue to support us, uh, and we really, really appreciate it. Also, shout-out to our buddy Jake Lionheart, who has provided us with a new remix of Merlene. Uh, we haven't heard it yet, because I just did that yesterday. Because <laughs> I didn't realize <laughs> I mean, it was... I mean, it's, you know it's heat. You already know you it's heat. I already know it's heat. I told him to make it um, sound like it was sad and final. Uh, and he was just like, oh. "All right, bet." <laughs> I was like, "You." St- <laughs> he was like, "You." St- I said, "You still have all of the like instruments and stuff that like I sent you." And he's like, "Oh yeah, I've been using that shit all over the place for my own albums." And I'm like, "Fuck <laughs> yeah, dude! That's excellent. Perfect, perfect." So excited that that will be coming out, uh, or that you you've heard it. That we've heard it by now. By the time yeah, this podcast heard it. is episode and I loved comes it. out, yeah, it was so good. Uh, Chris, what's been happening on Merlin? Well, last time on Merlin. After Arthur, his name is Arthur, lost both Camelot and faith in himself, it was once again up to Merlin to save the day and forge the destiny of Albion. The young warlock annihilated Agravain, menaced Morgana, sorceried the Sword of the Stone, and corralled the King of Camelot to put Arthur back on the throne. With his kingdom restored, there was only one thing left to do, and at long last, Arthur and Gwen were married, and Guinevere was crowned queen. But just when all seemed right in the world, Morgana found her life saved by an unexpected ally that little rat dragon athusa i uh before we get into this episode i guess let me do this we're, re- we're covering season five episode one arthur's bane part one which aired on october 6 2012 directed by justin malitnikov and written by julia jones as the forces of fate cast a shadow over camelot merlin must confront his darkest fears camelot basks in the halcyon age of halcyon days of a new golden age but even as she flowers so the dark seeds of her destruction are being sown for in the frozen wastelands of the north men are disappearing without trace in search of answers King Arthur and his knights must undertake a dangerous mission to the unknown. As the sun sets on the icy plains, Merlin finds himself locked in a battle unlike he has ever fought before. A battle with fate itself. Ooh. Oof. Got some, got some. Dude, they are doing so much in this episode. <laughs> How many... There's a couple of different surprises in this, but I want to jump to the very end of the episode because I was so excited. I don't think you have been spoiled on the weird blue guy showing up, right? The weird blue chick. No. Yes. No. Yes. And now, honestly, I'm starting to question my my own spoilers, the things that I've seen, because weird blue alien guy, like that changes everything. <laughs> <laughs> like anything can happen at this point. Weird blue alien guy. In my Merlin, I just don't know what to think. I love this so much. I I remember seeing it the first time. 
uh, as I was watching this show and just being so excited. I was like, oh. It should look bad, but it kind of doesn't. They're going to get weird with it, and they're doing it in this most delightful way that looks bad, but doesn't look bad at the same time. Yeah. That like looks bad because it's so weird, it kind of gives you the creeps, but you're like, ooh. I like that it's giving me the creeps. It removes, all, like, because they're not trying to do anything realistic or with, like, even contain that you feel like is contained in this universe. Like, it removes any sense of Uncanny Valley. So it's just, like, this unnatural thing. And it looks unnatural, which is exactly what you want it to look, right? So, that like, the CGI yeah. works for it in that way. And I'm, man, I am, I just, I just love me a creepy guy. And I, oh, so good. It's just yeah. so they good. They played Bloodborne and then they said, okay, let's do let's this. Let's do this. A um, couple years before that, I think. Anyway, um, Wow, we just are. I love that we're you know we're starting season five, and here I am trying to think, how are they going to start the season? There's always some sort of big something right at the beginning, um, but they started just how they start most episodes with Merlin running around the castle, <laughs> unable to find who we find out is, is he's looking for Gwen. He's running yes. from room to room, just yelling hello, um, and he's not able to find her anywhere. And finally, he reports that back to Arthur. Um, to be like, hey, I can't find your queen. Sorry, bro. And Arthur says, is there anything you're capable of doing? And Merlin responds, putting up with you. So obviously our our, our camaraderie between our two leads yeah, is, yeah. is still there. Uh, Gwen arrives. She is uh, dressed in queenly attire and followed by uh, a new lady's maid. Uh, this will be Sifa. Uh, mm-hmm. They don't name her again. My my main <laughs> doing a podcast uh, illuminates some really weird problems that you have with TV shows, and one of them is just Merlin doesn't d- decide to name people until forty five. We catch her, we, yeah, we catch her name so deep into this episode, but I don't remember the first time that we would have heard it. It's the same like, thing with her dad too, like Ruidon. Uh, like they yeah. they, they, they wait. For, I think I have him. Call, I'm just calling him Onion Knight for ninety percent of my notes. Uh, yeah, I call them Davo Seaworth. Just straight up didn't even try. <laughs> there is one point because like I always put the subtitles on. There's one point where he it showed him speaking uh and so it said his name with like you know colon and then like what he because he was off mm-hmm. speaking off screen uh and, and then that was the only time i recalled seeing his name in the subtitles ever because i thought well surely i don't need to rewind because morgana will say his name in nope. a minute during this conversation no no uh, I just couldn't believe that I was fucking seeing Davos. Like, obviously, <laughs> the Game of Thrones comparisons are inevitable. This whole episode felt like Game of Thrones. They're in this, like, frozen north. Yeah. Um, but it had the Mer- Merlin flavor to it and it, with the, the Game of Thrones aesthetic. So it was really, really working for me. I thought it was so cool. I, this is a, I think this is an amazing episode, uh, especially to start out the season with. I think it's really good. Uh, so they, they meet up with Gwen, and Arthur addresses the Knights of the Camelot, uh, and presumably Gwen and Merlin at the at the at the new round table uh which i'm yeah. dying to know how this thing folds up so you can fit it inside of a door like it's an enormous like 18 feet yeah. wide table uh you can't even walk they around had to build it. it inside the room i guess yeah exactly um arthur announces that there is a new shadow across the land of camelot uh and that he has uh ordered Gwen to lead three score of their finest men to look into it was that uh, like 60 guys that's that's 36 dudes um, okay. which is a weird well, how much is the score what's the score 12 yeah did you oh, not 12 okay I... no I always thought score was 20 but it's not really something that comes up a lot so well now now you got me doubting myself I mean I just oh just information. I am I am absolutely wrong I am so sorry Chris okay well it, it was 20 you, you you nailed it on there happy to be proven right by that I, you know four score and seven years ago i remember somebody being like you know what a score is 20 years um i thought it was 12 i don't know why it's like oh yeah that's an easy i, mean, I guess s- that would be a, a dozen 
Yeah. You know I mean, I'm like, we already got a word for that. I guess, yeah, I guess, I guess Dozen was like, nah, fam, you need to go up the line a little bit. Go find 20. <laughs> uh, uh, so we got 60, we got 60 guys, which is like, that's a deep squad yeah, roll up. Yeah. Like if you, if you pull up with 60 guys, that's you're you know. You you're, you mean it. You mean what you're, whatever you're doing. I'm always fascinated um, with the economics of uh, just manpower in Camelot because mm-hmm. you know there's we only see like five or six like regular knights, um, and then but anytime there's a battle, like 150 dudes shows up. But that 150 dudes isn't a lot of dudes if you're sending 60 to go investigate like a, a like a, in the north. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. did you send half your forces up there? Like it just. The all of the numbers of, of all of them, and then I remember like there's a talking dragon in the show, and I shouldn't be worried about this so much. True, true. There's just like a really long single story barracks building behind the castle, yeah. Um, <laughs> that where like like 250 knights live yeah, yeah. in bunk beds, um, and they, they just and they, they they've got a just like a, they're just breeding them back there. <laughs> so they yeah, from... they're just breeding them back there, and they get paid better than like most other people in Camelot, but they aren't allowed to live anywhere else. So it's yeah. like they got all this money, but they can't do anything with it. Um, when uh, when Uther said. That, you know, the, the the, that the knights of Camelot had to be landed. He meant that in a very specific way that they have to be very <laughs> landed on Camelot grounds. Um, we so you know the whole squad's basically gone. But yeah, this is also where we learn. I believe that it's been three years. Oh really? Since since the last episode, it's either he says Arthur says we've had three years of peace. So I took that to mean like oh they like season four was three years ago. But then Morgana says something about two years has passed since then. So I don't know if I'm just interpreting. I feel like um, I saw these comments. something in the trivia section about this, um, which would not be in the trivia section for the first episode of the series. It would be in the one for the one series yeah. we're talking about. I think either way, it's probably safe to assume that some amount of time has passed. So much has been established that it it, it couldn't have just been like a couple months or even, maybe maybe a year. Maybe it's been a year. But yeah, these comments that they threw because he said three years of peace and now a shadow falls over us. Um, well, yeah, that shadow happens to be you sent all your fucking boys to the North Pole looking for Santa Claus, and they haven't come back. And the Italian Santa's got to work at his, his elves making toys. In the Italian version, only two years passed. Um, so I don't know, because I guess Morgana has a, a line that's cut from the non-Italian version, which seems seems weird. But no, yeah, she does say something about two years for like for two long years. I've blah blah blah. But that I thought, oh, maybe she's only been up here in this particular castle, these particular ruins for two years. And then Arthur made the comment about three years. Regardless, it's been a couple. You know what I mean? They've had time to establish things have been very good, but now trouble is a brewing. And I guess if sixty of your dudes go missing, it's a big deal. Um, but also, if and you this sent- is this is just the latest party, right? Because the other he sent out other. Uh, parties. I don't know what they're doing. Well, I mean, exactly. If, if you're fucking sending your dudes out looking for Santa Claus, you probably shouldn't be upset when they get fucking taken by Santa Claus, which is exactly yeah. what's happening. When suddenly the amount of presents you're receiving each year is quadrupled. Well, yeah, it's because he's got you know triple the workforce now. He, he he can put out those numbers now. Merlin holding a like a little one of those like toy riding horses and just noticing yeah. that it just says "Help me, help me, help me, help me" around the side because Gwen is just trapping. deciding to ignore it. <laughs> like that's weird. Santa's got some weird problems now. Uh, well, uh, while Arthur is is talking to the roundtable about this new issue and and about the plans that they want to make to go and save the others, we are intercut with these um, images of Gwen. In fact, 
like up in these frozen wastes. We've never seen snow in Merlin, I don't think. Certainly not like this. They're in a whole ass like tundra mm-hmm. and a whole Skyrim environment up here. And um it looks really cool actually. I like, it's just it's just different enough that it that it um kind of like excited my brain and like the ooh, a new fantasy thing is here. Yes, it's just ice and snow, but like that's exciting. Hey look, and, we get um, excited at new levels. You give me a snow level, a swamp level, a business level. Like I wanna exactly, I wanna see all the new levels. Exactly. So exactly. this is very, very um, exciting. And while Arthur is filling us in on what's going on, we're seeing Gwen and his pals being harried by some some beasts, and they 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 start running, and we don't quite know what they're being attacked by. Um, at first, I thought maybe this is this is going to be some new type of monster, but no, I think it's it's wolves, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's just a wolf. It looks like, uh, and eventually the it's wolf, just one one wolf. Yeah, uh, <laughs> a, the wolf like knocks over Gwen or something and howls over Gwen's body, uh, and that's yeah. when we see a figure approach and kicks him over from his uh, stomach onto his back, uh, and it's revealed to be Morgana, who is in her Dude, like it's ice Morgana. It's ice She's not Morgana even just regular outfit. Morgana anymore. Yes, she has ice powers now. Uh, I love the fact that. She She's just got some tame ass wolves that she puts them on a sled yeah. and then hauls ass yeah. back to her goth winter castle. Like I love this. <laughs> All of this is so good. Uh, talk about pull up game. That's that's Morgana getting dragged, you know, pulled up by wolves. Love it. Um, Absolutely. And love she it. pulls up to her, you know, abandoned frozen ice castle, and um, I I just scrolled up in my notes and lost everything. She pulls up to her. Okay, so she pulls up. She goes in there. Uh, Gwen is it was uh, dragged up with her and um, this is where we meet Davo Seaworth um, I don't know what his name is in, in the show in Merlin but he Ruadon. is now her second in command I guess you could say yeah. um, I don't know how she's always got some dude working for her but this time she's got this dude working for her um, and he has been telling her that the, the, the about this prophecy um, and I have a feeling this is going to play into the season quite a bit. Yes. Um, a prophe- the prophecy of Arthur's bane. Mm-hmm. And um, he talks about the diamere, yep. something like mm-hmm. that. Uh, mm-hmm. The diamere, I don't know how they pronounced it. Um, but whatever this, this thing is, the diamere, it's the key to this prophecy. It is the key to Arthur's bane. And, and again, allegedly, Arthur's bane is supposed to lie beneath this frozen castle um but they've yet to to find it and um that that's when Gwen is dragged forward he's not dead for some reason i actually thought that he he was killed and she was gonna like reanimate him and he was gonna be her like ice soldier or something yeah, i don't yeah, know anything's dude. possible yeah, it's yeah, a new yeah, season yeah. like benjamin like uh, benjamin stark he's gonna be reanimated then come back glowing blue eyes and like just be a white walker but um <laughs> this is where we 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 cut he's gonna be put to work and we find out that every night who's gone missing has been captured and put to work and then like the camera pans down to these vast vast mines uh beneath this frozen castle where um all these men are, are just chopping away at the stone looking for something, looking for Arthur's Bane, I guess. They aren't aware of that. I feel like people would maybe not be as um, willing to go along. Oh, yeah. With, uh, their indentured servitude. Mor- Morgana's got him on, on like, Santa Claus duty, right? Like, like you need yeah. to find the magical hammer so Santa Claus can get his toys, and we're making you do it because I'm working with Santa Claus. And, you know, it's just Percival and Gwen there that got captured. So they're like, okay, yeah. that sounds all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you say, Borg. We were sent out to find Santa, so I guess in a roundabout way this makes sense. Uh, we go back to Camelot uh, where Elian, um, who was sent out to look for Gwen and his men, has come back. Uh, 
and he's heard a lot of rumors, a lot of them around Morgana, specifically around the castle that she's hanging out in, that the castle has started. The ruins of Ismir. Yeah, lots of lots of good, like, fucking fantasy-ass names in this episode. Dude, the ruins of Ismir is top-tier fantasy lingo, if you ask me. It's great, dude. Like, the, the it's the Valley of Dead Kings, right? Yeah. And it's the oh, ruins yeah, of Ismir. I, I can only remember every other one. You know, I should probably be able to remember them, considering I take notes. Um but every once in a while, one of them sticks out. I just go, fuck yeah. Yes. Man. The absolutely. ruins of Ismir, yeah. Uh, Gaius, who has a new wig in this episode, and it's fucking horrifying. I don't know why. I am. I don't even. I don't think I remembered anything else that happened in the scene. I was so just taken aback by. It's. Dude, I. What's going on here? I don't know, What's man. What's going on here? Who approved His hair this? is triple the length. So, okay, we do know now that it's been three years because there's no way you get this kind of flow in a one-year span. That's just not happening. It's like, it's down to his... I, he looks like... He's taking fashion advice from Dragoon. I'm just I'm blown away. Uh, absolutely. I'm just blown yeah. away. They had Dragoon's wig lying around and they, they fashioned it onto him. Uh, it looks bad. His hair looks like stringy and weird. Uh, I don't like it. And Morgana, we talk about this all the time with Morgana. Morgana's hairstyles used to be incredible. And she used to always have the good hair. And uh, ever since she went evil, like her hair has been a lot flatter and a little bit frizzier when she was living in the in the woods. And since she's kind of gotten out of the woods and become a little bit of a, of a druid princess, then it's still a little bit more natural. And I feel like they do that on purpose, but it's just never been as cool. And now, like, I don't even care about Gaius. Now they're ruining Gaius's hair. It's very upsetting to me, Chris. It's, it's just, very upsetting. It's just like, what's going on? Like... Uh, Imagine if he had showed up with looking like a with a uh, George Washington ass ponytail. Yeah, you know what I'm like that uh-huh. that old Tyvee Beethoven ass looking yep. Gaius. That's what they should have done. I'm um, you know, I'm watching Top Chef right now, and there's a chef on top on the competing that I like a whole lot. I think he's a, he's a good dude. We watched his season a couple of years ago, um, but he's got like this this hairstyle where I think he's actively going bald. Um, which is which is fine, no problem. But he has chosen to avoid looking like he's going bald by like braiding his hair into like tight rows, individual oh. tight rows where they can all like go back. Um, and and he's not a white dude, so like he can he can like it's not. I don't think it's appropriation or anything. But okay. it's just okay. they're just very tiny, stringy little braids. And I'm it's like it just it it reminded me a lot of Gaius's hair because it's like yeah. just real real thin about to be gone hair that you're just desperately clinging onto and i just it yeah. just doesn't look great it's not a good look um Gaius. i mean i guess he's like i got it i'm growing it yeah um arthur I don't know. arthur wants to go to the um dark tower of anaris or whatever and uh-huh. uh ruins of ismir the ruins of ismir and gaius is like eh, maybe not and gwen's like what if you went through the west uh that you you know you and queen addis are, are dope y'all almost had a war but then y'all like settled it it was cool uh just go ask her if you can go to the west and surprise them um and so they decide to do that um as they good call good, good call. call gwen uh, as they kind of leave, as this meeting breaks up, uh, Morgan, Morgan, <laughs> no, Morgan, yeah. Merlin leaves and probably runs into Sifa, the new serving girl, knocking her tray out of her hands. Um, and then absolute meet cute, definitely meet cute, here. automatic flirting. Everybody's having a great time. It's like, and then my my thoughts go like, because it's just we've we've been through here so many times. Like, oh fuck, she's a fucking spy. She's a spy. She's a she's a spy because they're not giving him a love interest. They they're not doing it. No. They teased him having a love interest with everybody he met in season one. I know better now. Even though he has a love interest for one episode, and she's a fucking were panther or whatever. Um, 
But I just knew it, dude. As soon as they did this shit, I was like, there's no way. This boy doesn't, he's not going to get to experience happiness. This isn't happening. She's a bad guy. And what do you fucking know? What do you know? What do you know? Well, I wouldn't say she's a bad guy, but she's doing a bad thing. Uh, they, she apologizes. They do a little flirting. Uh, Merlin says, like, oh, I got to go before Arthur starts yelling at, for me. And then you can hear Arthur in the background yelling increasingly. So they have to, he has yeah. to run. Uh, Arthur, Merlin, and some other knights ride out of the city. Sorry, um, quick question. Yes. Um, Arthur's been married for, you know, two to three years at this point. Yeah. Do you think Merlin's still tucking him in? Absolutely. 100%. Okay. Yeah. Waking him up. I don't think that him and Gwen share a bedroom, if I'm being completely honest. I think you have I to. I think that the last person he sees before he goes to sleep is, is Merlin. Absolutely. I think you have to wait five years after being married to. to uh, I think that Gwen just took over Morgana's room. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, it's mine now. This is mine. Um, I used to work here. Now I live here. No problem. Yeah. She's still um, she's still probably not I, very used to it. She probably still leaves at nine o'clock p.m. Right, like just like goes. Yeah, to, oh wait, yeah. I, I can just go lay in this bed that I just made up. Um, but no, I, absolutely. I've watched enough Downton Abbey to know that those the you know the the royalty doesn't they don't sleep right, with right, each right, other. Right, right, right. Yeah. So Merlin's still talking him in. Perfect. Excellent. Yes. Uh, while they're riding out, uh, Merlin wonders if Gawain and Percival are alive, and Arthur says, uh, "I don't know, but we have to check." Uh, because you know that's what they would do for me uh, and it's our first yeah. kind of glimpse into arthur's dedication to his troops right like this is going to be a, a re- reoccurring theme in this episode and really i feel like this season of his uh dedication and his um willingness to like go to the mats for all of his people yeah. um, anything that they would do for me i have to be willing to do for them and he falls through on that and um he does say that if it was merlin who was lost he wouldn't even be bothered to check so um we all know that's not true okay we we go to the mines uh uh, where there's man, if you're a fan of Gwen and Percival, you're gonna yeah. see a lot of shirtless Gwen and Percival. There's a dress code, and yeah. it's uh, sweatpants only. Sweatpants only. Got the gray sweatpants on, so you can see everything. Yep. And yep. they are they are mining. They're uh, they're digging up some rocks, um, looking for the key. And uh, meanwhile, Arthur arrives at this uh, enormous gorge. Uh, yeah, that's a, a huge gorge. It's a huge gorge, natural boundary you know, to to Queen Annis's land, and uh, he basically tells I think Elian to go like go along the ridge and check up on it first, uh, and then come beat me back here. Um, and as they're riding through the valley at the bottom of the gorge, uh, Elian shows up and is like, "You need to come look at this." And they find this camp that has been ravaged, uh, just a bunch of dead bodies laying everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Merlin begins to hear this whisper that we can't quite understand at first. And then we realize that somebody is whispering Emerus. Uh, and he goes into this small cave and finds this uh, old man laid on his back next to some water. And on his wrist is a, is a very specific like druidic tattoo uh, in gold mm-hmm. ink. Um, so we know that this dude fucks is what I guess was he, very short. Absolutely. Yeah, this absolutely. dude absolutely fucks. And, th- and just in like a magic term, if you don't understand what I'm saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 That's what we're talking about. Um and and as Merlin's kind of like inching closer, he heard this voice, but this man seemingly is is dead already. Uh, but then suddenly his eyes snap open, um, and he looks at Merlin, and he starts talking. I mean, as, as um, he, go, he goes into prophecy, he just he just dives right into prophecy. Uh, he's been haunted by this very moment for 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 years. How he's been waiting for this moment with sorrow in his heart because he knew he had this prophecy. He knew he had to deliver this message to Merlin, to Emrys. Um, but obviously it was at the moment of his own death, at the death of his, of his own village, and the prophecy that he's speaking of is of Arthur's bane. Um, it stalks him like a ghost in the dark. Ooh. Okay. 
Say no more. Say no I'm more. Tom, I'm like, you got me, man. You had me with stalks and ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> really, just the whole vibe. Like, you just kind of had yeah. me, my man. Like, this is great. Uh, he implores Merlin to act quickly to counteract the, quote, never-ending circle of his fate. Uh, and the man Ooh. collapses, and as his hand hits the water, Merlin begins to see a vision. Uh, there's fire and blood, and obviously this great battle. And this looks at, remarkably like the vision that Morgana had at the beginning of season four. So this mm-hmm. is not unknown territory to us. Um, we see Camelot Knights dead on the ground, and then we see this very dark-headed young man uh, facing off against Arthur, and Arthur losing this battle, and Arthur dying. Uh, and it's at this point that Arthur shows up and you know disturbs Merlin from this vision, and Merlin is so like kind of rocked by this vision that he can barely keep it together. Like he's got tears in his eyes and there's like, you know, he's trying to control his emotions in front of Arthur, who is just like, I know man, like this is, this is a bad scene. Let's bury these bodies. But you've seen a dead body before Merlin. Like you need to be able to like suck it up. Let's go. (laughs) I thought this has been, Um, this has been a couple of years. Like every day for the last two years, I've just walked you to a dead body to try to sort this out. And it's gotten worse somehow. I don't understand why it keeps getting worse. What's happening to you? Merlin is only ever rocked like this when he sees a, uh, a prophecy. Um, whenever he's seeing a prophecy, it's it's never a good thing. Well, and I would I would even argue specifically uh, that he's only rocked by this when he sees a prophecy of Arthur dying because that's almost yeah. unilaterally what his prophecies are. <laughs> like that's this is uni- true universally. This is true. I mean, like it's it's just almost always Arthur dies. Um, yeah, Arthur is killed by this person that we've never seen before. Now I, it didn't take long to figure out who this was, um, but. Well, yeah, I it's this is compelling. This is very very compelling. Did you figure uh, it out here? Did you did you have a, a Oh yeah, a instantly I go, oh yeah, yeah, that's Mordred. Okay. I mean, okay. I know, you know, La Mort de Arthur. Yeah, yeah. I kind of um, <clears throat> I know the I, I know how it goes, but um yeah, it was it was I was proven right by the end of the episode. <laughs> um that evening everybody's sleeping and Merlin's still brooding, so it's it's time to check in with the dragon. I think uh I think Colin Morgan has filled out a little bit this year. Um, yeah, he's buff, dude. He, I think he's he's secretly buff under all of these dope scarfs that he's wearing this year, and uh, because of that, his voice is a little deeper and it's changed a little bit. So when he starts calling the dragon, it sounds like he is gobbling up some ghoul. You know what I'm saying? Like he is he is doing some fucking ghost eating or some shit. Like I don't know yeah. what this. It sounds way more terrifying than it used. It's to. It's the same thing that happened in, in season five with with Sam Winchester, where yeah, like, the yeah. actor got fucking yacked, yeah. and suddenly his voice was twelve <laughs> octaves. Like I, I've never been so jacked that my voice voice got deeper i don't know what's going on there no but i i just believe it i believe that the muscles make you have a more masculine sounding voice it's it's it's, it's awesome this I love is, it. is yeah. this what year was this because he was on 20, colin morgan was on the fall right 2012 that's when this was okay the fall was like 2015 ish or something and i think he's kind of jacked in that I don't remember what the fall is. What is that? It's um um is that the uh, detective Anderson. St- yeah, yeah, and the, the detective story. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, anyway, different different show, not important. So he goes to talk to the dragon. He tells him about the vision that he just saw. He asks about the the mark, and the dragon tells him it's the mark of the the Vatus or something like that. A druidic seer, somebody who is able to you know receive a prophecy see the future and whenever they see something it's like serious shit it's not just like a oh maybe it will come to pass we don't know like no this is this is this is really serious stuff um uh, and after he conveys the the vision to the dragon the dragon's like oh oh 
That's fucked up. That's, that sucks, bro. That, uh, uh, that, uh, I don't know anything about this, and that's really fucked up. I hope don't you're prepared to put in a lot of overtime over the next couple months because, um, yeah, you, you got the shit on your back. <laughs> he, um, he even says, uh, like, he starts coming up with platitudes because, you know, Merlin is, is, like, worried about this, and he's like, Merlin, a wise man isn't cowed by knowledge. And I'm like, come on. This is what you give me? This is it? This, a wise man isn't cowed by knowledge? This? In my time of need? D- fucking, what's, what's your name? Kilgar? Like, what the hell? Kilgar, you sound, why really? is your name like a Marvel villain, my man? Like, you should be a draconic. What is this? I don't understand. What's going on with you? Uh, why don't they just name you an old Valerian like they used to? God. Yeah, come on. This future Things sucks. You think it used to be so much better when everything was named an old Valerian. I'm telling you. The next day, the group uh, rides to meet Queen Annis. Uh, Arthur thanks her for allowing her safe passage, and she invites him inside to sit down. Uh, and then we skip over to Camelot, um, where Sifa is serving Gwen in what looks like Arthur's chambers, but could also be Morgana's chambers. I don't really know. Uh, either way, Gwen can't can't really eat because she's so worried. Uh, and then she invites the girl to sit down and like share her food. And of course, this girl is like very shy, uh, but she quickly says like she is completely confident that. Arthur will come, and then there's like some little side chatter about like her having a, a special guy that she's too not can't really you know talk about or anything. Um, and notably at the end of the scene, Gwen reaches out and like puts her hand on Sifa's hand uh, to kind of comfort her to say thank you for her her kind words. And Sifa just looks absolutely stunned, like I like she kind of expected Gwen to be I think a totally different person, um, and she's mm-hmm. taken back by this just very pleasant person that she's in front of. Yeah, um, she goes in expecting royalty, and as we're going to learn, she goes in, obviously, with the preconceived notion of what a Pendragon is, um, and probably doesn't know Gwen's lore, you know? you got to study up on your queen's lore lore, before you uh, become her lady-in-waiting. She doesn't know that Gwen herself was a servant just a few years ago, and all the circumstances that she's been through, so... You know, they... um, um... Uh, It's interesting, because it's it's just a a goofy idea, I guess, but... uh... Like, Gwen is just so new that I bet, like, they haven't written any history books about her, so she doesn't have any lore. And I bet, like, Arthur True. keeps a real, like, sharp eye for, like, some bards singing some nonsense, right? Like, oh, you got a song yeah. about Gwen? You need to come correct with that shit. Like, I don't want to hear anything bad. You got to leave out the part where my father killed her father. Like, we made up for that. That's all good. You got to leave out the part where she cheated on me with Lancelot. We don't need to... <laughs> he is on top of those bards. <laughs> what did you What did you call Lancelot the other day that had the the, the listeners howling? I can't remember uh, what it was. Sir, uh... Home, sir, home, home Rex a lot? a lot yeah you got you got to make sure no bards are talking about home racks a lot over there <laughs> uh so i guess what i'm saying is you know sifa who probably relies on bards for most of her history history knowledge uh yeah, doesn't yeah. necessarily know a lot about uh gwen and that makes sense that makes sense, makes sense. because makes arthur sense. is super jealous um well while gwen's too worried to eat arthur's at a feast yeah um and uh, she starts telling him, the queen starts telling him about um, the rumors of, of what Morgana is up to, um, about how she's not killing people. She's seemingly like capturing them and forcing her, them to work in the mines for some reason. So, you know, your men might still be alive, which is great news to, to Arthur. Um, and that's when Anise, Anis, whatever her name is, she calls for Arthur's fool to put on a show. And I believe that when they when they last met, when Arthur like went to her, snuck out of camp to go speak to her. And, uh, uh, you know, to battle in single combat or whatever, Merlin snuck along with him and to spare his life. Arthur was like, oh, he's my he's my fool. This yes. is just, you know, mm-hmm. he doesn't know any better. Um, so, of course, 
Merlin, he's you know he's put on the stage. He's he's got to entertain, and he does a little, little sneaky little flash of magic before he uh, steps up to the plate and just starts masterfully juggling. <laughs> like starts off one handed with like two, goes into like a, a three egger with two hands, and then all of a sudden it's a forehand and he's catching it behind the back. He's doing like underneath his legs, doing spins. He's all over the place with this. It's it's yeah. it's an absolute delight. The best part of it though is just. Arthur's face as it's happening because Arthur's struck. He is just his jaw has dropped and he he even keeps looking around to people like around him like did you know he could just do this he's never once shown that he could do this I'm I'm just he was just so fucking shell shocked it's amazing and of course it, it, Merlin will make a joke out of it later but it really just goes to show how much Arthur doesn't really know about Merlin and I've like I know I don't think Merlin can really juggle I think this is just magic but um. It's just just delightful. Just a delightful show. Everyone's applauding. It's just, you love to see it. It's it's awesome. Uh, That evening, Merlin does some more brooding, stared in a fire. There's a lot of brooding in later seasons of Merlin. He's got a lot on his mind. Uh, Arthur is like, sits down beside him and is like, I did not know you could fucking juggle, my dude. This is crazy. (laughs) But also, I can sense that something's deeper wrong with you. But we really, we we need to talk about the juggling soon. Um, And Merlin kind of makes a a small confession here. Like, I don't want to go hunting for your men. Like, I I, I feel like that's not going to be a good thing. He's like, well, you know, if you're scared, you can you can stay here or whatever. Um, and then we switch over to Camelot, uh, where we see uh, Sifa running out of the castle at night. Uh, and now it's Gwen's turn to, to look out the window from Morgana's room from behind the drapes. Yeah. Uh, and Gwen watches her and, like, smiles, thinking that she's going to meet a suitor. Uh, instead, she walks, like, you know, probably... 10 minutes away and finds like a druidic church <laughs> with a, with, I, with a like, fucking magic ass tree in the middle of this. <laughs> there's a, there's a magic druidic church within walking distance of Camelot <laughs> and Davos, the onion Knight here. I, he made it back from, from the frozen wastes up North within what a day. He just quickly runs down here to meet up with her. And then he's back. He's the next morning. It seems like he's, he's back up North. How far away is this place? How small is this world? We joke about it, but what the fuck? It's, um, it's one of the, I think this is an important lesson. Um, we just got to stop worrying about the logistics of fantasy worlds. Like we just like it ruined game of Thrones. Right. I mean, it just, it doesn't make sense in game of Thrones the way that some stuff works. It doesn't make sense how Camelot works. Everybody just teleports around, but also it's a fun story. Who cares? Like, I don't know. We got to stop worrying about it, man. Like when you catch yourself asking how Cyclops eye beams work, do you really want to know? Or do you just want to be a pedant about it? That's true. That's true. It's fast travel. That's the answer. There are, it, That's how we got there. They're concussive blasts, by the way. Everyone thinks they're laser beams, but they're concussive blasts. Concussive blasts, yeah, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They also, uh, they also, he opens up a portal to another world in his brain, uh-huh. and then the other uh-huh. world is just full of concussive blasts, I guess, and then they shoot out of his eyes. That's some some, that's, some deep Cyclops lore there. That that's, is probably, what always, that's probably what I always not suspected. True that's what I always suspected. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> small X-Men facts with Jeremy. Ooh. Um, she goes into this church, um, a crow yells at her because, you know, this is some crow shit. Uh, yeah. she, she slowly walks in, uh, and we see Davos, uh, or Ruidon who uses his magic to extinguish the flames and then like slips up behind her with a knife to her throat. Uh, and he has just a ridiculous thing to do to your own daughter. If you ask me. <laughs> just saying hi. Um, <laughs> And he has the same tattoo that the Druid Seer did. So you know this dude fucks with magic as well. Yeah. Now now we know these... The, the, I mean, if if the crow cawing and the magic druidic um, shrine weren't dead giveaways, it's this fucking tattoo that tells you this man is up to something. 
she tells them that Arthur is headed to um, where the <laughs> the castle she's coming in from the west. No, she's no, no. But what, the, where's our, where's he going? The 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 place with a cool name that I can't the remember. Ruins of um, that I already forgot. Okay, excellent. The ruin the ruins of the forgotten castle. Uh, Ismir, the ruins of Ismir. Um, and tells her tells him that you know Arthur's going from the west, and he very quickly like dismisses her kind of rudely, uh, and then like stops and is like, "Were they mean to you?" Uh, and this is where it's revealed that he, this is his daughter. Um, and he tells, and he's, he's like, no, that you know, they were surprisingly nice to me. Uh, he says, well, the Pendragons are good for only one thing, and that's dying. Um, yeah. And it's time for but him. This to- is where I was like, okay, so she's not really like she doesn't really have a stake in this. She's just doing this because her father is telling her to do it. Yeah. Um, it's not as a deliberate of a, of a betrayal as Agravain, who was like he made these clear choices. Whereas this is a daughter obeying her father, and maybe she doesn't necessarily. Uh, want to be doing what she's doing or maybe she's just been taught to believe that these people are evil and it's you know she's fighting the good fight i don't know uh ruinon takes off um he tells her i think um oh no he he takes off and then we go back to arthur uh who leave annis's company with like a, a fond farewell uh and then mm-hmm. the next morning sifa is dressing gwen and is acting kind of out of it like acting erratic and gwen asks about her and says, like, hey, I saw you leave the city, and, you know, you don't have to keep your secrets from me. She's like, like, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, you could tell whoever your suitor is. He's, he's very lucky, and, you know, you're doing, you're doing very good at this job. Um, meanwhile, Rudon reports back to Morgana about Arthur's approach, and she orders him to prepare for battle. Uh, she's just looking fresh to death with all of her ice queen, ice, dark ice queen business. Love this yeah. stuff. Um, and then we cut over to Merlin, who is once again sitting and brooding. Uh, he, yeah. he is staring into a pool as the other knights rest for the day and are joking around, um, playing some strip poker, you know, some, some oil wrestling, and some oily, anything to get those shirts off. oily twister going on in the back. You know what I'm saying? You know what, you know what happens, yeah. dude. You've been there. I know, You've been I, a knight hey, of Camelot. Been, yeah. Have you think I've never been to a boy's camp and so at, you know, a soldier's boy camp? You, you, um, you know how oily twister gets started, right? One guy brings out the vegetable oil and then everybody starts clamoring. <laughs> and it's always something like the, it's always like Leon. It's the guy you least expect. Uh-huh, you, you, would, uh-huh. you would think Gwen would bring it, but it's always that guy in the squad who's like Leon. Who once he has a couple, his whole demeanor changes, and he's got he's got the vegetable oil, and he goes, "Oh, uh, all right, all right, time here, we here we go, here we go." Let's get it, it in slides, smack it into each other, you know. <laughs> um, but not Merlin. He's off and he's brooding. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, he doesn't he doesn't understand what, how everybody can be playing oily twister right now when when they know what lies ahead um, uh, in Izmir. And Arthur reiterates once again that no matter what, no matter what's waiting for them, even if it's certain death, he can't abandon his men. Um, Merlin, of course, says he understands, but he wishes wishes that he that he did understand. He wishes that he could uh, turn him away somehow, but of course he he knows that that that's not happening. Uh, but they go back to eat some food together. Arthur's able to pull him in. You know, he he does a round of uh, of oily twister, and um, you, I I think Arthur's resolve has maybe uh, cheered him up a little bit, or at least given him some faith. But now I just been thinking. Merlin, you gave this man too much confidence with that sword in the stone. Man. He's a little bit too full of himself. He's a little bit too sure of himself. We, you know, maybe we, we dial that back a little. Yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. So, someone's got to pants this dude pretty soon, so he realizes he's not the chosen child of the of the summer or something. Um, yeah, I do. I do love the fact that Merlin. Like, I think Merlin's commented. At the end Everybody of this. get that one guy in the squad who thinks he's the chosen child of summer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everybody. I thought I was the chosen child of the summer. It's about two thousand three. So I'm just gonna be honest with you. Like, I thought I was 
was that dude. I thought I was him, and I was not him. Just I think everybody uh, goes through that phase, right? Everybody thinks they're a chosen yeah, child of yeah. summer. I'm the chosen child of summer. Uh-huh. Uh, what were you saying? I don't know. Oh, uh, at the end of this, Merlin's like, okay, I understand where you're coming from. Like, I wish I didn't understand. Um, but I, but I do. Um, do you think Will Smith's "Summertime" would be a good theme song for the Chosen Child of Summer? Summer I think so. Summer, I think summertime. so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that that's that's, that's definitely. I mean, it's got it's got a little bit of the main character energy vibe that goes that goes into this. Yeah. Um, who else has main character energy? But Morgana. Uh huh. And she and her her warriors. I was going to call them knights, but I don't know if they've been knighted, so that doesn't feel appropriate. Um, they've decided to ride out. Um, and, uh, suddenly Arthur and the boys, they're all still oiled up. Can you imagine <laughs> trying to put like cold ass armor chain mail over your oiled body? Doesn't sound pleasant. Um, but there's certainly no, they find themselves no surrounded to, by Morgana and her men. There's no water to wash anything off. So your, sto- your clothes are all no. icky. Like your under things are all icky. Cause you yeah, have they to, gotta go all day wearing that. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not maybe that's kind of, maybe that's a thing. Maybe like, maybe they skip the undergarments and they put the armor on and you just kind of like loose in it. Ooh. You kind of like, it doesn't chafe anymore cause you're so oiled up. This is not a path we need to explore. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. It sounds like we got we both have a pretty active imagination about this one specific subject of <laughs> naked oily twister in the world of Merlin. Maybe we should explore it. Just thinking about the practical side of it. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like how would it affect how would it affect that that night, let alone the next day? But we don't even get to find out with it because they get ambushed. Hey, we, uh, Arthur has told, tells us in that scene actually that you know warriors are, are know to enjoy the day without worrying about the next one because this day could be their last. So sometimes you just got to play oily twister and not worry about the sometimes consequences. Sometimes you just got to play oily twister and don't worry about if you're going to get ambushed. If you do, you know the swords you get struck with the sword, it'll slip right off you. You know, it hit your skin and it just go flying away. Yeah. Um, because you're so damn slick. Uh, it's the same reason I cut so myself this, in Vaseline before I leave the house. I just want to make sure nobody can right. grab a hold of me. That's Ruins right. my car seats, uh, but it's worked out for me, for me in the positive several times. I've never been grabbed. I've never been grabbed. <laughs> never, never been uh, held. I can promise you that, motherfucker. Um, <laughs> they so call they, me they Slippery Jay. Everybody freaks out. They're like, fuck. Like, it's the ice witch. We got we to gotta split. She's dangerous. Um, we got Davos in the mix, dude. He's tearing it up. He's fighting Leon. They're so taken aback. They they so caught off guard that they can't escape. And and the knights pretty quickly get kind of mowed down. Um, and even Arthur himself, um, while fighting in slow mo and um, getting some pretty cool action scenes here, he's eventually he's he's smacked with like a big heavy mace um, and knocked down. And that's when Merlin has to swoop in and try to pick him up. And thank God neither of these two were covered in oil. Because imagine trying to pick up an oily guy off the ground. Mm, um, I don't have to, Chris. He, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they, they get, he gets Arthur back to his feet and kind of just like drags him away. Um, and they get out of the fray. They're able to escape. But um, I want to talk about things- how uh, uh, great Rudon is with the sword right here. Like he, oh, yeah. uh, I was not expecting him to be as um, aggressively awesome. Like he took down a knight of Camelot and almost like two or three knights of Camelot, uh, which is pretty fucking amazing. He's him, dude. He's him. Uh, he's him. Uh, and um, Marley gets him out of there. Uh, he has to use his magic to call some snakes to scare the horses. Um, stop it, Merlin. You're scaring the horses. And then uh, <laughs> later. After the battle, Arthur wakes up and he just sees like Arthur, or excuse me, Merlin's face like swim into uh, vision, and he's just he just you can immediately th- like tell he's just exhausted. He's like, oh, not again. What happened? Yeah. <laughs> like, what how happened? did I pass what out this time? Um, um, do I smell oil? <laughs> and he's and Merlin says it's the usual. I saved your neck, and uh, as Merlin helps him up, 
uh, Arthur has like a, a notably like kind of kind line here where he says, we make a good team. Um, and then it's, and then it's right back to the mines uh, where uh, just, they just got a shirtless arms and a shirtless Gwen just lay it on some rocks mm-hmm. together. Just, just, just in the least comfortable positions they could possibly be in, but this way the most amount of their flesh is exposed. A lot of their flesh is exposed. Uh, Gwen starts hearing this noise, and as he wakes up and like looks to the side, he sees these like weird blue lights and like an offshoot to their mining cave. Um, and he he wakes up arms, and they're gonna go check it out, but they have to pretend to go back to sleep as the guards patrol by. Um, meanwhile, Arthur uh, and Merlin have been walking, and Merlin thought that they were walking back to Camelot. Why? I have absolutely no idea. I don't know. Like, it kept getting colder. <laughs> like, you guys were never left the ice. Um, <laughs> and for some reason, when he finds out that they've actually been walking towards the ruined king of the forgotten name, um, Mer- Merlin gets super, super angry about this. Like, he's like, no, 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 we have to go back. Like, you could tell his vision has just completely destroyed his confidence, and all he's concerned yeah. about is protecting Arthur at any cost. And it's of course it's always the things that he can't explain that that cause him the most frustration and worry. Um, because if he just told, I mean, does he bring up the prophecy? Does he say, "Hey, that old man told me this thing before he died"? And Not yet. I can't and okay. here in a little okay. bit. He but will. that does come up because mm-hmm. I would I would probably say that if I was Merlin. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I would probably You're not implicating yourself with that, but it would explain why you're feeling so worried. Yeah, a dead man told me a thing. A dead man told me a prophecy. Yeah. It happens to everybody. I mean, what do you what do you want? Mm-hmm. It's Camelot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I mean, yeah, it's a dime a dozen around here. It, Arthur kind of just dismisses Merlin's concerns, like he says, you know, if you're afraid, then you should just go. If you're, and if you're gonna stick with me, then you need to shut up. Uh, and then Merlin threatens to kill him. Arthur responds by saying, "Killing a king is treason." And <laughs> under his breath, Merlin says, "What about threatening an ass?" Uh, which is just classic <laughs> Merlin Arthur behavior, and I love it. It's so cute. I love those yeah. two. Good stuff. No matter the situation, they're gonna put this stuff in there. Meanwhile, the the rest of the knights uh, have made it back to Camelot, and they tell Gwen that they lost Arthur. Uh, Gwen looks like she's ready to murder everybody at that in that party uh, yeah. before she thinks and she realizes, wait. Uh, someone must have betrayed our plans. Uh, and then we cut back over to Merlin and Arthur, and this is when, as they're huddled up in the cold together, like back to back to try to share uh, warmth, uh, Arthur begins to tell... straight up snuggle. They straight up do a little snuggle. Uh, Merlin t- begins to tell Arthur about the old man in the village uh, and about how the, the prophecy, and again, just as like, can we please turn back? Yeah, this, um, is, this, this is why it's eating him up so much. You know, it's this this thing is weighing on him. And Merlin says to, something to the extent of, you know, if we go there and you die, we, we lose everything and arthur like is like refutes this and he's like no matter what adversity we face we fight for what's right if we betray our beliefs that's when we begin to lose everything so Mm. arthur you know holding fast to his code to his belief system that he has to these are his people these are his men so he's going to go save them this is a man who's been who's been victorious for the last several years. Everything's been going his way that he can believe in these convictions so strongly. <laughs> it's a man that conveniently um, forgot that he just ostracized his fiance in like two seconds. But yeah, okay, yeah. sure. Um, but he says, you know, that we, we save our men or die trying. And Merlin hits him with a, and I swear I will protect you or die at your side. And you know what? I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And then uh, they lay yeah, back down. Too much confidence. They, they, then they just lay back down and get all snuggly with each other. It's like, so all right. Cute. Well, um, I'll tuck you in. 
we go back over to our uh, our shirtless wonders, uh, and this time Gwen like tells Percival to cover for him as he goes deep inside the cave. What is it? What does that mean? Uh, yeah, like what is he gonna do? Like tell the guard that I'm. He's gonna I'm, dual wield pickaxes. Yeah. To, like, <laughs> I bet at this point, like the guards are like, yeah, he's just going to pee. Like that's just Gwen. Gwen pees constantly. Yeah. We we just know he's this. Costly. He's been dehydrated severely, but he's still a lot of piss comes out of this man. Love to see it. He walks into the cave uh, and hearing these these weird noises uh and he's eventually accosted by a couple of guards who just beat the shit out of him and leave him there beat beat the dog out of him um arthur and merlin wake up to the sound of horses it's morgana and her men uh but they they manage to slip away uh arthur makes a comment as they're walking and arthur wishes that he says i I wish i had we had a horse and merlin's like i want a pig it's like you can't ride a pig merlin and merlin just keeps talking about food like oh yeah, yeah we could we could stuff it with um you know whatever apples and you know some herbs are just like will you please shut up please stop talking and just then as he's talking about how hungry he is he looks over and he sees a couple of rabbits he's like oh my god there's some rabbits here that's the most obvious trap of all time what are these two large dead rabbits doing here uh and he just runs up he grabs them sure enough it's a it's a trap they merlin and arthur both find themselves stuck in a net hanging from a tree um this is this is classic. This is classic stuff. This is, happens in Return of the Jedi and a million other things. It's just mm-hmm. it's nothing like being stuck in a net. I love um, being stuck in a net. You're all tangled up. You don't know. At one point during while they're hanging there, Merlin goes, What happened to the other rabbit? <laughs> <laughs> it's never it. resolved. What happened to the other rabbit? Uh we go back over to Camelot and Gwen drags Sifa into the throne room or the council room or whatever and demands that Sifa tell her the truth. And it doesn't take long for Sifa to break under this. Uh mm-hmm. she tells Gwen about her father, uh, about how you know he just wanted respect for his profession to be a, you know a doctor or anything, but she he was a sorcerer, and you know in Camelot he wasn't able to get that respect. And Gwen yells at her and it's like your respect is earned. Your what your mm-hmm. father's actions cost hundreds of lives, and Gwen just immediately finds her guilty of treason and sentences her to death. Uh, and this is wow. This like, is this is a little intense. Even even I, Gaius, old child murdering Gaius over there, is taken aback by this action. As somebody who's been on the receiving end of this sentence so many times, <laughs> you would think that she would think. be able to like have some more sympathy and and say, okay, well, we need to think about this. Throw throw in the dungeon and whatever. Uh, but at the same time, we can see obviously the years of being queen have changed her. All of her trials have changed her, and she thinks that Arthur could lose his life because of this. Um, and I think when it comes down to that, now she's like, I don't care. Uh, it's a death sentence, but I was really surprised at how harsh this was. This was this was not what I would have expected from her. I would have expected her to be heartbroken um, at this little betrayal. Some, you know, she tried to show kindness, and this is what happened. But she's not fucking around. She's not fucking around, dude. It's it's you know, eight sixty seven. It's not time to play anymore. It's not eight sixty five no. anymore. I don't I don't no, know no, no, what no, no, years no. Arthur was. The, I don't yeah. know anything about the history of this stuff. I'm so sorry, everybody. Um, Merlin and Arthur are still struggling in the net. They manage to drop Arthur's sword, which is hilarious. Arthur's like yelling out Merlin, like he's fucking <laughs> like in the Kathy comic. He's just it's screaming. F- it's so funny. Uh, we check it on Gwen, um, who is bruised and beaten, uh, kind of presumably left for dead. Like the guards don't drag him back to work, which is interesting. Uh, and then this weird thing happens. This alien hand, this blue iridescent hand reaches out to touch his face uh and as the camera pulls back we see this like 
fucking conehead blue alien creature just speaking some weird magic shit and like rubbing Gwen's face. And I, we talked about this at the top of the show and I am just, I am so excited. I love this I'm so in awe. much. I'm in awe. And Thank you know, you, you I, when I saw the glowing blue hand, I thought, okay, we're going to cut here and we're not going to get to see. Oh no. no. No, 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 no. They showed us. The whole, they showed us the whole thing. I don't and know what you I'm call it. I'm in awe. I just can't, I just can't, I can't fathom. What could possibly be going on here? This just this strange angelic alien living in the tunnels beneath this ancient castle. What? What? Dude, what if the Darmir isn't a key? What if it's a thing? <gasps> uh, I love this so much. It's a weird fucked up little guy. Not it's even a little, weird fucked up little a guy. Fucked up like super tall gangly dude. I, I, I just love this so much. I can't. It's so strange. It's th- th- so nothing strange. even really happens. Like this is the only time we're going to see it. And really... I'm astonished that they didn't end the episode on this. Like, to me, this is the ending of the episode. Like, uh-huh. other than the reveal at the end uh, that we're going to see Mordred, like, I feel like this is the moment that you're like, come back next week because I would have been fucking throwing some shit at my TV. On the, I, I For been, sure. For sure. Oi, mate. <coughs> I would have said. Because <laughs> yeah, I, I live yeah, in the... That's what I said last night. Yeah. Oi, matey. No, wait. Oi, mate. Oi, mate. Um, uh, but yeah, okay, so we're just left with that. We gotta unpack that. But then mm-hmm. we move over, it's back it's the morning. Arthur and Merlin are just still hanging in this fucking net. You know, like somebody's lost circulation to a foot or something. Mm-hmm. It's just like black and blue. It's there's no blood flow. Um but they actually some some men come along and cut them down and we realize, okay, these were the men who set the trap. Um quickly we realize that they are working for Morgana, so we're in trouble here. Um uh, Arthur very nobly was like, "Okay, you know, I'm the king, but just you know, just spare my servant, please. You know, there's there's no reason to kill him." Um, and surprisingly, they seem like, "Yeah, whatever, we don't care, that's fine." Um, but Merlin tries to stand up for Arthur, and that's not gonna go well. They're both get- looking at death here. Things are are not going great. When from afar, a young man steps out and tells them that Lady Morgana should be the ones to see their fate. And then we realize, and Merlin realizes, that this is the boy he saw in the vision, in the prophecy at the beginning of the episode. Um, And then this boy comes up, this young man comes up, and and he greets Arthur, and he says, hey, you know, you probably don't remember me, but you saved my life once. And that's when Merlin realizes that this is Mordred. Uh Uh-oh. And we knew knew Mordred. I mean, Mordred's whole name, like, it's right there. Like, he's he's been labeled for birth. Yeah. Interesting that they're bringing it back as a little bit aged up to be like able to hang out with Arthur and Merlin and not just be a child. Um, yeah, I guess when was the last time we saw him? Season three, probably season two or three, maybe. And so if um, it's if we just assume it's been you know five six years since then, and he could be eighteen, nineteen. You know, he's he's an older teen. He looks older than he you know younger than them, but not so far that he's like a child. You know. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I always forget. There's so many versions of this story. Is it the is it the other the Merlin movie that you and I loved um, that Mordred is the child of Arthur and and Morgana? I know that's certainly not what we're doing here, but do you know what I'm talking about? Is there's some like famous yeah. Merlin thing that yeah. or Arthur thing that I've watched, and I just remember I think that was the first time I had ever heard of like incest, and I was like, what the fuck? Because <laughs> I watched that movie very young. Again, I don't know if it was that movie or if it was a different movie, but finding out it's like Morgana's his half sister or whatever, and this is a child, and I was like, no, no, that's not supposed to happen. 
well, growing up in the South, they teach you about incest at a young age, both uh, sure, how sure, to sure. <laughs> how to avoid it and how to get into it. You know what I'm saying? Um, you have two paths before you. Look, I'm just saying, if you you know, before Tinder, there was always funerals and family reunions. No. <laughs> yeah, I, that's like distinctly in my head. I just like remember being like like shocked and horrified to learn that that was a thing that could happen yeah i think i think that that's definitely the case um luckily we don't have to deal with any of that stuff here uh it's very strange to me looking back that uh they flirted with the idea of morgana and arthur in like the very first episode and then almost Uh never again touched it like it it took them a while to reveal that she was related to him but they never even like played it up it was like no we we're we're happy with this gwen arthur thing and we're gonna just continue with this and that's and it's just like everybody was being flirty in those first couple episodes and i think after that yeah they probably very quickly were like all right we're not gonna actually push this any further we know how people get with their shipping on the internet and we don't want them to be shocked and horrified when they find out what's been going on in 2012 most probably wouldn't be shocked or horrified 2012 uh yeah this is probably like the heyday of supernatural shipping stuff right like Uh you gotta think uh that the, the years probably match up for that um the episode preview for next week looks fucking bonkers. Just shit, crazy shit happening all over the place. Yeah. Um, I Wow. Season five, man. We're just here. We're just here. Yeah. What a great episode. Uh, I don't think you could ask more from a, a season opener. Like it sets a tone. Uh, it sets the, you know, this, this, the stage for all of this stuff. We've got a looming threat. We've got some, some problems in our midst. Uh, we've got a, a erratic woman in the form of Gwen and every TV show writer loves an erratic woman for some reason. Um, but I am, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited to be covering this. And then also it's yeah. just, it's just a fun season. If I remember right. Um, I don't know. It's weird because I watched this and all in a rush. And so they all blend together. Um, and then the ending is, is so um, impactful that it, it overshadows some of the stuff that came before it. So it's, right, it's hard right. to remember what, what, what happens uh, and when, but I remember really liking this. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, me too. Uh, no idea what's really going to happen. Like I, I, I because I've seen spoilers, but now I'm second guessing them, so that's exciting. Um, so I, I I will see what happens. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, this has been Still His Kingdom Keeps. You can find us on social media everywhere. Just go to stillhiskingdomkeeps.cool. If you want to support the show, ratings and reviews, uh, patreon.com slash week is also a direct way you can support the show. Shout out to our boy Jake Lionhearts for the new remix of uh, Merlene. We appreciate it. Uh, Jake always kills it with this stuff, so I have no question that he'll kill it with this one. And um, No doubt. Thank you to everybody talking with us. If you uh, – I meant to say this earlier – I'm in a weird situation where I'm doing a bunch of background work, moving the podcast to a new host. Um, and I'm in a weird position because if you're hearing this, obviously it worked okay. <laughs> Things are good. <laughs> uh, but I guess if you're not hearing it, let me know. <laughs> like if you had, to, if go- you had to, if you had to go to a different service exactly. that you normally yeah. use to, yeah. to listen to this. Um, hopefully you spent the time and didn't just think that we stopped doing it because that would be sad. Uh, but if you're having technical issues with the podcast, please reach out. Uh, the best way to do so is at his kingdom keeps on Twitter uh, and uh, send me a DM or at me or something. I'll take care of it from there. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Bye.
Ebony Scrooge. What are you What's up? Why is your Discord name Ebony Scrooge? Um, it came up in the Discord a couple of days ago. I don't know. I don't remember anything. I just I just suffered a head injury, so I don't know what's happening. Like like your black Scrooge McDuck? I didn't even think that was a No. Like I thought like like Ebony Ebony Darkness Raven Way or whatever from My Immortal. Oh, okay. Uh, that's yeah, where yeah. my mind went. Okay. Like that. that that makes power a bit more sense. I just thought you meant the Ebony magazine version of the Scrooge McDuck, which was no. just very funny to me. Um <clears throat> Yeah, I just hit myself in the head with the layup, and it was like, you know, you know when you get hurt, and sometimes like afterwards, a couple minutes pass, and you realize, okay, I'm fine. That didn't really hurt, but the surprise of it when it initially happens, like I was like in shock. I was just plugging in my um, modem thing, whatever the fuck this is, and I must have de- moved a cord or something because suddenly the layup comes tumbling down on the back of my skull. Um, scared the heck out of me. I was thought I was under attack by you know. A ghost or my cat or something. Jesus Christ, dude. Are you okay? Do you, can you perform? <laughs> I was just texting you. Blood coming out of my ears, but I'm, I'm uh, entering the cut or whatever, but then you hopped in. So. <laughs> Excellent. I'm glad you're okay. Anyway. I, was just, I was just crying over the fictional character of Ahsoka. Um, what's she up to these days? Oh, uh, it was the... I don't know if you've seen Rebels, but she eventually like uh, confronts... She gets into a fight with Darth Vader, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. she's like, you know... I thought I knew who you were under that mask, but you were more vile than my master ever could be. And he's like, Anakin Skywalker Damn. was weak, and I I destroyed him. And she's like, I will take his revenge. And she's and she says, uh, Well, revenge is not the Jedi way. And she goes, I am no Jedi. And she busts out the white Ooh. lightsabers and whips his ass. And it's Ooh. fucking great. Ooh. I've watched lore videos on those white lightsabers because that's you know, that's heat. <laughs> that's, that's heat. heat. Dude. That is absolutely heat. <laughs> I uh, my my friend and other podcast partner, uh, Gary, hates Star Wars and things. Um, he's just past the point. Like he just got to a like a limit. It was like I don't want any more Star mm-hmm. Wars news. So every once in a while, and I do this like very very rarely because I know he actively dislikes it, but. I'll tell him a Star Wars fact. Um, I'll just be like, hey, yeah, there's here's one Star Wars fact that you need to know. And yesterday I was in the mood for some reason. I think he was, we, we were we were texting back and forth when I was watching the new episode of Mandalorian. And uh, I was like, hey, did you know that there's a sword that gets heavier if you don't have faith in yourself? Like if you don't believe in Whoa. yourself? And he was like, that, that is the dumbest thing ever I've ever heard. I was like, yeah, but wait till you hear what it's called. Because it's called the dark saber. <laughs> That's the, I didn't know that bit of lore about the dark saber. Oh yeah, <clears throat> that's really funny. If you don't have faith in yourself, it's wow, wow. It's not. It's not wow. quite, like there, I think I'm. I'm. I'm trivializing it a little bit, but it is definitely one of the things where, like, if you don't, the the saber tries to create a connection with you, like mm-hmm. a an actual like connection with your conscious. And if you resist that connection, if you try to block it off, the saber will get heavier. Uh, and both in Rebels, and you can see this, and there's an episode of Mando uh, this season where he he has the the, the dark saber. Um, but the same thing happened to uh, Sabine and Rebels, where uh, like they try to fight with it, and you could tell like the blade is just getting heavier and heavier, where they can barely lift it up. So they're doing these like like flinging their arms with it, just because they can they can't like aim or do anything, do a move right. or anything. And it's just a it's an interesting way to tell story through uh, fight choreography, which is mm-hmm. one of my jams. I think it's really good. Yeah. You gotta love to, you love to see. It. I love, dude, swords. Not even just swords, but I I love actually in what media. Whenever there's like a cool rule or like a weird stipulation about the the weapons that the characters have to use, especially being into fantasy and games and anime and all that stuff, mm. like that you're just constantly seeing weapons. Um, Inuyasha, of all things, I always before I even watched that show, always thought it was cool the way that the weapons worked. And that Inuyasha, the main character, 
Uh, he's a half demon, and he the sword that was left to him is super super powerful, but it can only be used by somebody who wants to protect humans. Um, his older brother Shishomaru is very evil. And he wants that powerful sword, but he can't use it because he's not going to protect humans with it. Uh, instead, the sword that he has, the bad guy, uh, it can only heal people, um, which is just those are just little things. But I just always thought, like, thinking about it, I'm like, oh, that's that's like a fun little way to, you know, take the powerful sword away from the bad guy and force him to to act a different way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just love shit like that. Sword lore, man. It's good stuff. Sword lore. Sword, sword lore. lore. Very, very cool. <laughs> Sorry for bringing up Inuyasha. It's the head injury. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. Y'all just finished Inuyasha, right? Like that was a, that was the thing, right? Yeah. We spent, uh, Jess, Jess watched all of it. I watched some of it when I was a kid and I read some of the manga when I was a kid. Um, uh, but it was just one of those things that was on forever. Yeah. I think it was one of the first or second anime to ever go on Adult Swim. Um, but yeah, a couple of years ago, Jess just randomly decided to watch it when she was getting into anime. Um, really loved it. And then over the pandemic, we finally we watched all of it together, um, which was very fun. It's a fun show. It goes on for a very long time, but it's a great show. <laughs> uh, what else has been going on, my man? Uh, Resident Evil 4 Remake, brother. Oh. That's what's been going on. That's exciting. Um, that game was so fucking good. <laughs> it's It's... I mean, I, I of course it would be because Resident Evil Two Remake and Three Remake were really, really great. I know people don't like Three as much, but uh, I replayed Three a couple months ago, trying to get the plat, and just totally loved the gameplay of that, and, like everything that it was doing. Um, it really rewarded you for doing multiple runs over and over again, especially since that game was like five hours long, um, even if you're not trying. Um, Resident Evil Four is remake it took me 17 hours that was a pretty thorough first playthrough i think i only this side quests somehow in a resident evil game i only missed one of them so i did i did pretty much everything um 17 hours somehow flew by it never felt like that game dragged which is pretty much my only complaint about the original resident evil 4 is that you know towards that that 12 15 hour mark you're like, okay, oh, the game is still, oh, we're still doing this. Okay, we got, you know, another 10 hours to go. It, it's a long game. Um, but this, dude, this game just flew by. Uh, incredibly fun. I immediately started New Game Plus. Could not could not hold back from that. Um, just about everything is, is I don't want to say everything is better, but everything is, is, it's better or it's different in a way that was really cool. Um, so it just, it just feels like it's an excellent, excellent, both remake and compliment to the original game. Because I do feel like there's still part of me that will, will want to play the original again. Um, but I could see myself playing this remake about a hundred more times. It's it's It was just so fucking sick. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm curious. One of the things I saw uh, leading up to the remake was a bunch of Resident Evil fans being uh, worried because... Uh, like Resident Evil has always had like this undertone of kind of goofiness to it. I think like mm-hmm. a, 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 right underneath all of that horror is just some real, real good like comedy shit, uh, whether it was intentional or not. And Resident Evil Four, I think, especially with some of the more flamboyant characters <laughs> in that game. Yep. <laughs> like yep. I'm thinking of the the little dude in the castle, and I can't remember his name because I haven't played Ramon. Resident Evil Four yeah. in years. Yeah. Um, but like I, re- I he sticks out in my brain as a character who may be out of place in like a modern resident evil remake environment is that mm-hmm. how does that like how did they oh, bring he's that still there whatever? he's wearing a full face of um makeup like um I, it, it's like a stage thing almost it's not kabuki makeup but it's like it seems like he's like in, in doing some sort of like a performance and that's kind of like they centered that around his whole thing anyway he's still there he's still a wacky little guy uh and they just sort of like themed him a little bit more that he's obsessed with like 
um, being a playwright or like being an actor or not. He just weaves these these things into his character in a way that makes sense. Um, and he's just like a cruel little dude. Um, it fits somehow, but it's also still sort of funny in the way that they handle it is still pretty funny. Um, all of that, all those elements. There's a couple things that they that they didn't do. Like the giant robot, spoilers, the giant robot is not in this. Um, but for the most part, like they somehow managed to make all that old wacky stuff work in in the, the new version. Like I developed a very mild real life phobia of the sound of chainsaws from this game because I played it so much and I played uh, the mercenaries mode so much where you're running around in the arena trying to get high score. And I would always have this instance back in high school where I'd be playing this and be in the zone cruising. And then suddenly without me realizing it, my one weakness was that these chainsaw guys somehow always snuck up on me or I'd think they were further away. And then suddenly they were in my ear and it would scare the shit out of me. So in real life, I like genuinely would like kind of flinch at, like the sound of a chainsaw for a second. So even while facing off against those characters in this new game i'm still feeling a little bit of that like oh this is a horror game like i'm actually getting kind of scared it's kind of kind of tense um there's this one scene where two of them break through a wall and you're like oh no this is going to be tough but then out of nowhere leon just does a backflip he's just a standing backflip for no fucking reason in the in the re engine on, on the playstation 5 this brand new looking realistic looking game and then this just man in his like you know full body armor or whatever the hell he's wearing just doing just doing a standing backflip for no fucking reason reminded me like yeah okay they figured they they nailed it like they, they knew it. what they knew they what were they were doing for. yeah absolutely well that's good that's good i'm looking forward to playing it i um i can't decide if i want to play it just play it play it or just play it on the stream with you like we mm-hmm, should arrange mm-hmm. some of those days because i did all of those that all of resident evil 2 remake and, and 3 remake with you on the stream um most of which is archived on our youtube channel if you want to go yeah. check that out uh but i would i think i want to experience that with you uh because i think it was so much f- more fun to do yeah. it that way because otherwise i'll just play it like very seriously like when i was playing seven by myself i was just like taking it very seriously and i wasn't mm-hmm. having having the goofy good time that i wanted to have instead with of it. going for all all animation runs yeah and, um you in resident <laughs> evil 2 i remember we were watching i i you know by the time that we played it together i'd probably played it three or four times yeah, yeah. and had you know learned like when to conserve ammo and you know who okay this zombie i can ignore because i'm not coming back into this room for two hours it doesn't matter uh and i just were watching you play it you're like no i'm killing every single thing <laughs> in this building <laughs> you were just like your gun was constantly going and i was like what do you how you can't play like this you're gonna run out of ammo and yet somehow you never somehow did. i never did I kept, they just kept giving me ammo it was perfect because they want you to win the game they just want you to be yeah. stressed while you do it uh yeah all, the all animations run is very funny i just end up dying so many fucking times and crazy different <laughs> ways it was really great i felt that in uh, F- F- resident evil 7 too when i had there's that first i think it's like the first big boss fight that you have with a guy that's like in a cage or something mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. at the bottom of some shitty house or something i don't remember all of the details but most ma- of the game takes place in a shitty house yeah, so true. Yeah. yeah um did i tell you when i played that game i don't remember if i told you this or not that uh it, that house reminded me of a house that we almost bought when we moved back to louisiana Oh really? Especially yeah. since it's set in Louisiana. Yeah, yeah. It, it's got, it had big vibes. We called it the Murder House, uh, and Autumn saw it, and it was this gorgeous, like uh, old school, like Acadiana style, like home, right? Like two, or t- I think it was two stories. And when I got there to look at it, uh, Autumn was still living in Phoenix at the time, so I was here by myself, and I was taking pictures. Um, and I was, <laughs> this was like, I had just gotten the first iPhone, right? Like, so it was like mm-hmm. crazy that you could take pictures on your phone, but whatever. Um, 
and I was taking pictures of like, look at the front porch. It's sagging. Like that tells me that there's structural problems. Look under the mm-hmm. house. I can see just a pipe disconnected. And she's like, we can make this beautiful. We can make this amazing. <laughs> and I'm like, I really don't think I'm that guy. <laughs> like, I don't think that, which is hilarious <laughs> c- considering like all of the work that we have done on the house that we eventually bought. Right. 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 Um, but and it, she was so serious about it, even though I was like, no, nah, I don't really think so. She goes, just go out and look at, look at it again. Like just maybe, maybe go out and look at it a second time. So drove out the second time with the real estate agent while we're there this dude shows up and it's like starts kind of yelling at me at the real estate agent saying that he owns the house and it's not for sale and the real estate agent starts freaking out because she doesn't have any idea what's going on and she's like what i don't i'm working with so and so he's like that's not no good fucking brother you need to get the fuck off my property blah 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 and i was like jesus christ uh holy shit and so like fast forward a couple of years we don't buy the house obviously uh Autumn and I are running around in Lafayette. Uh, we're doing some errands or something, and I'm and she's like, "Why don't you take me by where the the murder house is? Because the house did look. I think I still have pictures somewhere. I can maybe send you. Like the house did look like it had a murder house vibe, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so I we went to drive by it, and I remembered exactly where it was. And so when I pulled in the driveway, I was astounded when the house was just literally gone. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> not <laughs> the house did not exist anymore. It was just a wow. the, the house had disappeared somehow. And I found out later because uh, I do. I do work down there uh, that it apparently burned down with some real like suspicious circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. Oh shit. Yeah. It's, it's, it was, yeah. Those could have been your suspicious circumstances if things had gone different. I don't know, man. I almost was considering what we went through with this yeah. house. Yeah. Jesus. Oh, we called it at the haunted house. That's what it was. Let me see if I can find. I mean, it was definitely haunted, too. I mean, suspicious circumstances, no matter how you look at it. That's the last thing that you want attached to any item that you're going to buy, especially, um, I mean, a home is more than an item, you know? Um, but if there's anything under suspicious circumstances, you got you to gotta be suspicious, frankly. <laughs> I don't know. These are the worst pictures. And I, w- I just mentioned that I was ta- driving, I was using my iPhone, but they had, like, the date and time i don't know there's something haunted about those windows for sure (laughs) right sure like it's like it's a lovely house you know there's got some trees great huge lawn you know it's not fine a lawn like that in massachusetts but then you look at those windows you go yeah those are haunted windows it's just some there's some darkness behind there and i I, like i was so focused i don't i don't have any of the pictures of the inside i guess um let me see if i can find it the fact that you're just able to pull up these photos from 2009, it looks like, it's just remarkable. Oh, I have two folders. One's haunted house and one is more haunted house. Hold on. Oh, I've got perfect. I've got some spookier photos that I can send you. Hold on. Thank February you. February 4th, 2009. What was I up to? I was probably in fucking math class in high school. That's depressing to me. But <laughs> but tell me, tell me, like, Leon isn't exploring this house. Or not Leon. What's the Ethan or whatever? Ethan. Yeah. Ethan Winters. Yeah, that's a okay. That that I'm a little concerned that I would go straight through that front porch, um, straight through it into a murder basement, and that's where the ghosts are trapped. Uh, you want to see some ghost shit? Like, look at this child's bedroom. Like, this just looks oh, this no. looks looks terrifying. Listeners, few things more haunted than a child's bedroom. I've been into the attic of this house maybe once mm. ever, and it was just it was just filled with old boxes of letters that my grandparents had exchanged um during the war which i didn't open i just realized what it was i was like okay i'm not gonna open that uh and then the fucking just a baby cradle 
Yeah, not good. Get out, get the fuck out what, of there, man. Why is that the only thing up there? That's terrifying. This is the last one I'll send you, and oh. I, this is the one I wanted to find the most because it's just a obviously like someone had put concrete down, but grass had grown on top of it, and they're like the concrete is broken, and you can see that there's a hole underneath it. There's just a hole. There's it's a hole just in, the in the middle of the yard. There's a hole under suspicious circumstances. <laughs> there's just a mysterious the hole. It's nuts, dude. It's absolutely insane. Yeah, there's there's some darkness coming out of these. Photos, yeah, for yeah. Sure. that was the that for was the sure. that was the murder house. Um, yeah, looking for houses one, is fun, dude. One time, I um uh the the bathroom is right near the attic door, which you know it's like an attic. It's uh the the hatch is in is in the ceiling, and you have to pull it down with the string and pull out a little ladder. Uh, again, only been up there the one time, and one time I came out of the bathroom up here, you know, just drying off my hands, kind of not paying attention. The way the the sunlight's coming in. I just, for whatever reason, it looked like a person was up there looking down at me, and I had that full-on, like, fight-or-flight mode, like, somebody's in my attic, I'm gonna have to do something about this now. Amazing, <laughs> um, amazing. Not like, oh my god, it's a ghost. Um, that was probably, like, eight years ago that I felt that way, maybe not that long ago, but um, ever since then, I'm just paranoid about the attic. Again, not because of the ghost, I'm just like, I, you know, I had the thought the one time, what if somebody's in there? <laughs> and now I can't fucking shake it. <laughs> Even though it would be the most cumbersome thing for an intruder to do, if like somebody was living in my attic, to get in and out of that thing, it would be a fucking nightmare for them. They would just wouldn't it just wouldn't make any sense. It's so noisy, um, and yet that thought lives in the back of my brain forever now because of a trick of the light. So I'm never going back up there. I hope I hope one day I go up there and I find a bunch of fucking potato chip wrappers of somebody living there, and then I can be justified and horrified at the same time. What if you can find like uh like winning lottery tickets? Well, like what do you think the most fun thing to find up there would be? A gun. Um <laughs> just a you like a gun, just a just a rusted up fucking gun. Um I don't know. I I mean, what would be cool? No, a sword. Literally that a know, sword. jokes aside, yeah, yeah. if I found a uh-huh. fucking sword up there, I'd be like, uh hello? <laughs> Like a like a nineteen seventies like hustler magazine yeah. or something. Then you ha- then you have to make yeah. the, then you have to do all of the mental work of like who brought the hustler into this house and then you get yeah. real grossed out. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of unanswered questions. There. <laughs> to, um, uh this is I think Mark listens to this podcast, so sorry Mark in advance. Shout out to Mark. But uh he was having an issue. I've got a Plex server set up for just his movies, uh, because mm-hmm. he watches a bunch of dumb movies that I don't want in my movie collection. Um so he was having some issues with it or whatever. So I pulled it up on my TV. Um, and I, we were, I was like scrolling through trying to find, to make sure that the, the movie worked or whatever. And there was one, I don't remember what the name of it was. Uh, but it was just like, we, we Autumn and I just looked at it and we looked at each other. She's like, that's basically like softcore porn. Right. And I'm like, I don't know, but the cover <laughs> says it is softcore porn to me. Like it looks like a Skinamax <laughs> film. It's so weird. Um, it could just, you know, been a weird, a weird TV action movie. You'd never fucking know what these things are. My dad will be like, "You've seen, um, you see, I don't even like, you've seen a uh, gun, gun guy twelve. It's yeah. just, it's pretty good. It's pretty good." I'm like, "What do you mean, gun guy twelve is pretty good?" And they're like, "Have you seen John Wick?" And he's like, "Nah, wasn't really, wasn't really for me. Not really down for like, John Wick." Gun guy twelve from the Sci-Fi Channel. That was that did it for you. Perfect, perfect. Anyway, you want to talk about season five of Merlin? Season five, yeah, let's do it. Merlin, Merlin, 
But can't 